Have you ever felt tired after you just rested? Maybe you don't understand what resting means then. Do you understand the idea of rest? Biblically, personally, spiritually, what does that word mean? Because in this world, you will not find rest. In this world, guess what you're going to get? Worry, anxiety, you're going to have an anxious heart and spirit. In this world, you're going to experience chaos in the day and stress all night. And so when you wake up, how do you think you're going to feel? Not rested. So the question I want to ask you today is, do you know rest? Do you know rest from the biblical terms? Because what's going to be read today is crazy. And then, really, that word comes to Sabbath, the Sabbath life. Do you understand what it means to have a Sabbath? And we'll talk about that. We're continuing on this sermon series called Elements. Since Easter, we've been walking through spiritual practices, principles on how to live a life to draw us closer to Jesus Christ. That's the point of elements. There are elements, there are principles, there are things that we need to do. We've talked about celebration. We've talked about simplicity. We've talked about community. And today, we're going to talk about the Sabbath. And my hope is that you're going to learn something. You're going to learn something about rest. So, honest confession, this is not my message. I had a different plan. I have a different purpose. We're going to talk through Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning of it. And then in the middle of this all, everything just changed. So this isn't my plan. This is God's plan. So if you're here today, just like Jeremy said, God has a word for you and me because I'm learning too. I'm not perfect. I have the same problems that you do. I'm just a man up here that's been radically changed by God. And he has called me then to share that and give you what he has given me. So I want to give that to you today. And that's this church. If you're new here today, we're just a very simple church. We just believe in a radical Jesus that can change lives like me and you. Amen. So here's my story. Um, if you don't know my testimony, um, many years ago I was locked up and I found Jesus in a jail cell. And uh, three weeks before I got arrested, the last time I got arrested three times in, in a week. It's not a good record, by the way. But the last time I went into jail, I kind of turned myself in. I was done. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I went to court that day, and I don't know if you guys know this, only probably a handful of you people will, will understand this, but I put on my court clothes. If you don't know, that means is like you're dressing up so that you look good so the judge doesn't remand you. So I put on my court clothes, probably took a shower that day, and I got into this room, and as you walked into the room, the deputies came in and said, Mr. Rodriguez, you're going to go to jail. So I didn't even go before the judge. They just remanded me, and they put me in, and I kind of knew that was going to happen. And so they put me in the cell, and I'm sitting next to this guy. He was like seven years younger than me, but he looked like he was 15 years older than me. He looked like a homeless guy. He, his hygiene wasn't very good, and he was strung out on meth just like I was. And he said these words to me. He just looked at me, and you could just tell, and he's got his hand in his head, and he's like, 
in jail, I'm in jail. And he said, I'm sick and tired of being and sick and tired. And then when he said those words, my heart sank to a depth that I'd never been before because I had that same feeling. I knew that morning when I walked into court I was going to go to jail, and I knew that I was done. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of living in this world. I needed rest for my soul. I needed to feel comfortable in my skin. Do you feel that? Do you know what that feels like to be comfortable in your skin? We sang a song that God is as close to my skin, but do you feel that? Do you know that? Because if you don't, you're probably not in the rest or in that Sabbath life that Christ is talking about to us today. This kid that I was sitting next to was shocked because I said the same thing. And we had this amazing conversation. Both of us were basically doing the same thing. The difference was I had court clothes on that day. That's the only thing that made us different. I was living in this world. I was living for the fleshly things. I was strung out on drugs and alcohol, and I was chasing money. And I had to come to an end of myself to receive rest. Thankfully, I was desperate enough to receive it. If you're here today and you're desperate, God will meet you. It's nothing that I can do for you. It's only what the Spirit of God is doing in you right now. And it doesn't matter if you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, you've been in church for 60 years, or you just came today going, what am I doing here? They have coffee. God will meet you right where you're at. And I believe this is a message for him. So I hope you're desperate today. I hope you're desperate to hear from God and learn something like I am. God promises us, you and me, you online. If you're outside, let's hear from you. <laughs> if you're online, we have inside and outdoor services. We continue to try and be the best for the kingdom of God. And God promises us rest. And here's what he says. I'm going to give you the solution or what he says, and then I'm going to try and help you understand what he's saying. We need to enter into rest as we accept rest. And I believe you're going to see this Sabbath day or Sabbath life, the one that we practice, is different than the one that actually the Bible talks about. Because men, man, woman, children, get in the Bible and start making things up and adding to things in the gospel, which really isn't what God says. So today we're going to open up in the book of Hebrews. I was in there last week in Hebrews chapter 4. Again, originally I was going to teach out of Genesis and stop in Genesis 2, but today Hebrews 4, this is where God wants us to uh, start. And so here's what it says. It says, God's promise of entering into his rest still stands. We need to understand that. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Father, we love you. And we ask that your spirit rest upon us. Your spirit speaks to us. Your spirit cuts away what we think we know so that we can experience what you know, Lord, and what you want us to know. I ask that you teach us today, all of us, so that we can experience rest, so that we can understand your word and what it says about rest. Holy Spirit, we are grateful that you're here. 
We thank you for you giving us a connection to the Father's heart through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and what he did as he ascended into heaven. So, Lord, we offer our hearts to you, and we ask that you minister to those hearts right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, what do you know about the Sabbath? Do you understand this rest? That's the question, and I think that you're going to find out that it's more than a day. It's more than, for me, I take Monday off in the morning. I kind of put my phone on, and I don't answer until 11.30, and I just rest and relax, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, that's what we generally think about the Sabbath, but you're going to find out it's more than a day. God promises us rest, and he says in these words, in the text, he says, enter into it. The actual Greek talks about arising into it, uh, to come into existence, beginning to be. And so when I kind of came to this conclusion, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm, my skin is crawling because I can't really be comfortable in who I am, that was the beginning of my journey to rest. And I'm not completely there. Don't think I've self-actualized into this place. I'm still a work in progress. But the text says either you're in this rest or you should be trembling in fear because many of us aren't experiencing it. And so if you're here today and you haven't really experienced rest, then maybe there's something that we need to learn. And I'm not talking about, oh, I'm on the beaches in Belize or Hawaii, that's not rest. That's called vacation. I don't know about your vacations like. I come back going, man, that was miserable. We need a vacation. It's, I don't know why that is. What we're talking about here is rest. And most of us, I don't think, are experiencing both of those. Unbelief or lack of faith doesn't bring us into rest. It's like we don't know God. Here's what happens. Many people that call themselves Christians, the text talks about there's going to be a moment when you go to heaven and God's like, I don't even know you. And I know that's not what we want to hear, but the truth is lack of faith or unbelief doesn't bring us into that place of rest doesn't mean that you can't have doubts because things aren't going your way. It just means you got to snap back into greater faith. When just hearing the word isn't enough, I have to couple it or I have to bring it together with faith. Faith is trusting even when I don't see what's happening, even when I don't like what's happening. Do you know God? Because if you do... You've experienced rest in the middle of death, in the middle of divorce, in the middle of foreclosure, in the middle of the pandemic, in the middle of an election season, in the middle of the media telling you one thing, in the middle of all of that, if you know God and you believe in him, regardless of if your 401k lost 22% this week, you have rest that the God of the universe is in your life. Here's what it says in verse 3. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. It says, for we, only we who believe can what? Enter into rest. So there's something about faith that's tied into rest. As for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since the, uh, he made the world. And that's going to talk to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. 
So what's happening here? He's referring to Hebrews chapter 3, but remember about 1500, 1580, they put verses and, and notations in the Bible. Before that, it was just a paragraph before. He's talking about the Israelites wandering in the desert, and he's quoting David in Psalm 95, talking about a generation of Israelites, 6 million people that wandered in the desert for 40 years because of their disobedience and their lack of faith that God was going to provide, and he was going to get them to the promised land and because they didn't believe that they didn't receive the rest and they wandered in the desert for years because of disobedience and then verse 4 says this and we know it's ready because of the place in scripture so now the author of Hebrew is quoting the Bible where it mentions the seventh day this Sabbath day on that seventh day God rested from all of his work we're going to look at that in just a second. But in the other passage, it says, they will never enter my place of rest. Again, he's referring to those that have lack of faith or unbelief and saying, this world isn't going to bring you the rest that you desire and want and yearn for because you're, there's something in your heart that's stopping you or separating you from rest. Genesis chapter 1. This is where my message was going to go, and it talks about this. I'm just going to go to the beginning, and it says this. In the beginning was the Word. No, that's actually John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning God created heaven and earth. And then what happened, it says God spake. If you're an old King James person, the King James says he spake, which just means he spoke. And in that God spoke, and then he's in the woodshed creating, right? He's creating, he's working, he's, mold, he's molding stuff. And then it says, as he created, he was pleased. And then it said, then evening came, and then uh, evening passed, and morning came. And all that says is just like, what he created that day was done. There's six days of creation. He goes through this whole process, six days. He's out there working and, and molding and shaping. And at the end of creation, he's like, it's done. And then... Chapter 1 ends. I don't know if you guys have ever read this. Chapter 1 talks about the six days of creation. Then all the way in chapter 2, he talks about the seventh day. It's a whole other chapter. It's a whole other thought because something new happens. And here's what it says in chapter 2. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in it was complete. So in creation, everything was complete. That's the premise of our Sabbath day. But here's what it says on two and three. These are important verses. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation. God was done. So he rested from this work. The actual word rested means ceased. He ceased working. That's what the word says. And it says, and then God blessed the seventh day, declaring it holy. He sanctified it. He says, this day is going to be holy or this time or this place of rest is going to be holy. I'm going to set it apart for when that day he rested because of when that day he rested. It, he ceased from the work of creation. So what is he saying here? Well, let's talk about this concept of Sabbath and rest because the Sabbath is rest. In fact, the word seven, the word Sabbath, and the word rest are all from this, the basic word called Shabbat. In February of 2023, about 26 or seven of us are going to be going to Israel and we're going to come up on the Sabbath, the Saturday. They call it Shabbat, and everybody in town is going to be off the streets because in Jerusalem, nobody's going to be doing anything on that Sabbath day or what we call Shabbat. 
Don't misunderstand what rest or Sabbath means. It's not what we normally think. And I was blown away as I started digging into this because I was going to talk about rest and taking a day off. That was what I wanted to say. But God said there's something more here. And I think we need to understand it. It's not the normal rest that we think of. Oh, man, I had a long work week and I'm going to take a jacuzzi and I'm going to go out and have dinner and I'm just going to relax and kind of refresh. That's not what we're talking about. The rest that we have after a long work week is different than the rest that God is speaking about. We feel like, oh, I need to restore. I need to rejuvenate. I need to get my strength back. But that's a different meaning than what this meaning here is. Rest means to cease activity. God, at the end of his day, just stopped working. After six days, he says, I'm done working. Does anybody know why? Because his work was completed. He didn't stop because he's tired. God doesn't get tired and weary and needs a day off. It's like, man, I need to go to the you know, outer limits of, of the universe because it's so beautiful and rest. He's not that kind of rest. It's different. God rested because creation was done. And it's different than the rest that we have in our life. Oh, man, it's been a long week, and I need to rest. It's different. He was resting because his creation was done. So the Sabbath actually isn't a self-care day. And listen, during the staff this week, we talked about how are we making sure that we've got enough rest and peace in our life. So it's not that I don't practice the same thing that your head is. It's trying to understand what God's word is trying to say. And I think over the next few minutes, if you just stick with me, you're going to see there's something more about this rest that God has for us. It's like... If you go back to the desert and you know your Bible, there's this story of all these Israelites that are wandering in the desert for 40 years and they're starving and they need food and God in the beginning of it says, I'm going to give you manna. And at one point on Friday, he says, make sure you pick for Friday and Saturday. This one day you get to pick for, t- for two days because I'm going to provide all that you need on that day. And that's really the essence of what God is trying to communicate to our hearts today is that you trust in God and that he is going to do the work that you need him to do so that you can rest the way that you're supposed to rest. Here's what it says in verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter into. My Bible's got it highlighted and underlined. God's rest is there for people to enter into. It's that rest that he talks about in creation, that day of creation. It's there. But those who first heard the good news failed to enter it because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering into his rest. And that time is today. That time's today. Those words are in there because this is a timeless piece of scripture and it can minister to all of us when we come before the the creator of the world and the Lord and Savior of our lives. That rest can come and is here today. God announced it, announced this through David and much later in his words already quoted and here's what he said. Today, again, Psalm 95, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Again, someone in here, don't harden your heart. Someone online that's pulling their hair out and screaming, don't harden your heart. If you're outside, listen to the words and let them soak in and don't disagree or neglect what God is saying. 
True rest is entered when I obey God and I don't resist his voice and his will and his purpose for my life. I live many years resisting and I live many years with no rest. And finally, when I met this homeless guy and I finally was uh, locked up, that's when my rest began. Verse 8, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them rest, God would have not spoken about another day of rest still to come. Jesus, in, 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 in some terms theologically, would be considered the second Joshua. The first Joshua took the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the desert, and he took them over into a place of what we call the promised land. It was a land of milk and honey. And in that promised land, as they received all the land that God had given them, they were enter into this rest because their relationship and their obedience was fulfilled because they did what God wanted them to do. But there's also a time where Joshua, a second Joshua, his name is Yeshua or Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring us into another day of rest. So this helps us understand that there are two parts to this rest. I think most of us understand one part. I think all of us need to understand there's a second part of rest, and it makes sense, and it's really something that I want. As I was kind of pondering what God was communicating this week, I'm like, it seems weird that after 2,000 years of Christian teaching on the Sabbath, it's still misunderstood. It's like we don't really understand what God is saying. The true meaning is critical. I don't know about you, but I want the rest that God has for me. And what happens is I live in a life where God, uh, God is yearning for me to be in the rest, but I'm living in my own life trying to do my own thing. And the rest is here, and I'm here. And God has challenged me as he's challenging you. Enter into rest, and let me help you understand what he is doing. It's critical. There's this place in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, where Jesus and his people, the apostles, are eating grain from the field, and people are going crazy because you can't do that on the Sabbath. And if you guys know your gospel, and if you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is constantly trying to hit them hard about the Sabbath day. Why are you worried about the Sabbath? I can heal. I can do things for the kingdom of God. Sabbath doesn't mean I can. You're saying I can't. And so Jesus is coming up against the Sabbath constantly because this isn't the purpose of what God is saying. And here's what he says, Mark chapter 2, verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's crazy. When you think about what Mark is saying, he's like, Here, here's another way to say it. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not something that has requirements. It's not to be a burden. It was created so that the slaves in Egypt would have that seventh day off so that they can rest in the work and will of God and what he was doing. But what has happened is man gets the Bible and starts telling them, let me tell you what this really means. And what we do is then put requirements and rules and regulations over the word of God and think that this is the way that God works. And this is not what God is saying. The church needs to be obedient to the word and less to man. That's what Jesus is saying. The Sabbath is not meant for man. It's made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. 
And what happens is about 150 years before Jesus comes, there's this group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees actually put a bunch of rules and regulations. So when we go to Israel in a couple of months or a year from now, we're going to see these rules that are being abided by. And what's happening is those rules are stopping them from entering rest because that's not God's work and will for rest. Verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for God's people. If you're here today, if you're online and you're sticking with the message, if you're outside basking in the sunlight, there's a special rest, and it's here right now. Verse 10, for all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. This is a key part, just as God did after creation. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. It's going to sit on that for a second. Just let it minister to you a little bit. The text implies this rest that needs to be entered into. No longer needing me to do my labors or work. And that's kind of where we start to see man take over. When you do your Sabbath day on Saturday or Monday or whenever you take your Sabbath day, you can't do any work. You can't turn on the light. You can't start the car. You can't mow the lawn. You can't do any work. You're just supposed to sit on the couch. And hopefully someone will bring you a cup of coffee who's not resting. Because otherwise, it's going to be a very tough day, long day, fasting, until Shabbat comes, until the end of Sabbath comes, and then, thank goodness, it's been 12 hours I've been sitting on the couch, and I feel horrible. That's not what's being said here. The works that he's talking about of the labor are my righteous labors that I do to kind of get right with God. I don't know about you, but I was up early praying today and I was in my devotion and I was highlighting. I have no idea what it said, but I took a picture of it and I read something. And I did these works so that you can see that I'm a Christian. Look at what I posted. That's not rest. That's what we call man's works to righteousness. What he is saying, in my righteousness and your relationship with me, rest comes from God's righteousness in the believer's life. We clap, which is awesome. But we need to understand, we can't do the work and will of God and we need to let go and let God. And in that, my relationship grows. And in that, I have rest, regardless if the fire department's coming and my house is burning down. Regardless if the guy just repoed my brand new truck. I still have rest. Regardless if I'm ready to retire and my retirement package is kind of upside down. I still have peace and rest. Why? Because God, the God of the universe who has created me, has got it all figured out. And you don't have to do a thing. Everybody say, I don't have to do a thing. And now most of you just took that all back. I said it, but I don't believe it. And the idea here is that we need to believe that God's righteousness brings rest to his children. So here's the best part. 
as we enter into this rest, as I strive for rest, and we'll talk about that in a second, God doesn't force that upon me. I was talking to someone that was, that was in a different religion the other day, and God's not forcing his opinion, his will, and his life upon you. He doesn't want that for you. He wants you as a child to go, I'll take whatever you have. But other religions say, no, this is how you've got to do. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. You've got to act like this, you've got to wear this, and you've got to live like this. And if you don't, you're disobedient. You're not going to make it to wherever you're going to go. God in his glory and his rest says, all you've got to do is reach out your hand and I'm here for you, Dad. And then rest comes. Peace comes, and quiet and comfort come into your life in a way that maybe you've never experienced before. So how do we do this? It comes by faith. And then we could talk about faith for 52 weeks, and people would walk away going, I don't know if I understand faith. Because faith is doing the right thing, even when I don't want to do the right thing, or I don't see the right thing, or I haven't seen God work or move in years. And he's like, it's okay. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. It might take 13 years. It might take 25 years. It might take 40 years of you wandering, but one day it'll all make sense. And then one act of obedience will bring you to the place where you're supposed to be. It comes by faith. We call that diligent faith. The ideal of diligent faith is striving after rest. And my sister would say, that's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Shouldn't I have a a, a drink with a, a, a little umbrella in it? On a, on a foreign place where I'm looking out in the sand and if I see one more picture on social media like that, that just makes me more unhappy. Because I'm not there. That's the only reason. The point is this. It's diligent faith striving into rest. Working for rest in God and it seems like it doesn't make sense. So what am I saying? Here's what God is telling me to tell you. Having a Sabbath day is good. That's not what I'm saying. Sabbath days are good. But listen, what we're talking about is more than a Sabbath day. True rest comes from being in a right standing, right relationship with God. True rest. The rest that was created at the beginning of time in the seventh day comes from the righteousness of God. Right relationship. That's all righteousness means. True, true rest comes when I'm comfortable in my skin. And what I mean by that is I'm not letting the circumstances of this world drive my peace and connection and comfort to Christ. Are you comfortable in your skin? I mean, are you comfortable? Can you sit and just be here? Here's what I know. Busyness equals brokenness. You know, if I sat here and didn't say anything for five months, people would be crying, screaming, pulling their hair out. You got to say something. Busyness equals brokenness. And what I mean by that is you're not comfortable to sit in the recliner and wait and trust and relax and believe and experience 
and grow and listen and learn from God. And trust me, I got ADHD and I struggle sitting down. So I've got to work and, and I've got to work hard. I've got to strive for this rest. It's not a place of standing in the world. It's a rich and meaningful relationship with the Lord. Rest is not a place that the world can give me. Rest is a rich and meaningful relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what rest is. And here's the best part. Rest comes in one person, and you know the answer is Jesus. Rest comes in that one person. It's more than anything than doctrine and ideas. Here's what happens. We get a bunch of smart people and they open up the Bible and they start saying, this is what they're trying to say and they put rules and principles and the theologies around God's word and they don't take it for his word. They take it for what man has and what man wants. And in that, we become working against God instead of working for God. If I gave out 10 rules, as you walked in the church, welcome to Journey. Here's the 10 rules that Jeff and Journey believe is going to make you a great, have you a great relationship with God. People would love that. And they would look at their list and go, I did each one of those. I went to church. I gave a little bit of money. I put a prayer in. I read my Bible. I talked to another person about Jesus. All those things that are good, but you would say that's good enough, and that's not good enough. There's more to it. Rest comes in one person. And it's more than ideas and doctrine and theology. It's about a relationship, a right relationship. Let me give you an example. You encounter a troubled child crying, and you try to comfort them with ideas and logic and doctrine and ideas. And you know what happens? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The kid's whining and louder than ever because they don't want to hear that because that's not what's going to bring comfort. But that's what we do in church. Let me give you theology. Let me give you doctrines. Let me give you ideas. Go pray about it. Have more faith. God bless you. Come back next week and bring someone else. That should bring comfort, right? You know what happens? Rest comes in a person. When the mom walks in the room and the child sees the mom, it reaches out, and in that relationship with mom, mom brings the greatest level of peace to that child. That's the greatest level of comfort that child could ever have when mom is there and holds that child. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. When you reach out, he is the greatest form of comfort when you accept him and you sit in his lap and you say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've given me. Thank you for how you're working in me. Thank you that I don't have to do anything and you do all the work for me. Our greatest form of rest comes in that comforting relationship of Jesus Christ, just like that child with the mom. So what does Jesus say about this? This is, the, this is the moment where God speaks to my heart. This is the moment where I remember reading this in a jail cell and going, this is where I learned that I'm sick and tired and I'm tired of the struggle. I'm tired of living on my own life. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the first one. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
He's talking about this rest that happened back in the day of creation. Learn from what that rest is. And then he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will then find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And now Jesus is trying to communicate to his people, both man, women, and child, Jewish and non-Jewish, believer and non-believer, faithful and unfaithful. He's saying this, I have rest. It's one received and it's one entered into. And you can have both in your relationship with Jesus Christ. The question is, will you enter in? And will you accept? Twice in this passage we see this word rest. And it's that same word that we've been talking about. And it's what Jesus is trying to teach us. It says if you're open to learning, I will learn. But there's this gentle spirit of God and this humble spirit of God. He's not forcing it on you. He's not telling you you have to have it. He's saying it's yours if you want it. I love that. The problem is, I'm too stupid most of the time to accept it and enter into it because I'm interested in what I want to do and my things and my will and my way. And then it's like, God, don't you see what I'm doing? Doesn't this work for you? I think about that homeless guy. I never saw him again. I thought I'd see him again and we'd become best friends, but I never saw him again. But that moment when he said that was the beginning of my rest in Jesus Christ. Do you remember that day? Do you remember the day that you believed, that you believed that Christ died for you, the day that you realized that he took your place, he bore your sins, he took your punishment, and on that cross, that beautiful cross, he took your sins and washed them clean with his blood. That was that moment, and that's what I experienced when I told that kid, I'm sick and tired of living a life, and I'm sick and tired of living this life without Christ. Instantly, when I accepted Jesus, there was a sense of peace and calm flooding my heart. There was a stillness, be still and know that I am God, quietness over my soul. I felt no more shame. I felt no more guilt. I felt no more fear. I was resting on the work of another. Christ paid it all. I was freely forgiven. And then there was a sense of rest that I've never experienced before. And that was the first rest that you all have to accept to have that beginning relationship with Christ. And in that, the weight of the world is lifted off of you. That was the beginning of learning to be comfortable in my skin, accepting Jesus for who he is at his word. But next, it talks about a yoke. And the other day I saw a pastor, it was actually been about eight months ago. He was on stage and he had this yoke and it was a yoke for one. And the truth is, there's a yoke, the way that the one that Jesus is talking about is got two in there. There's one for Jesus and there's one for you. His yoke is light, my yoke has got burdens and heavy and Jesus says take mine and I'll take yours and we'll be in this relationship together and watch how I work. The day that I accepted Jesus' yoke, my workload and my life became lessened and God took over and started doing all the lifting and all the work in my life. His yoke is light. Mine has got this world upon its shoulders and the struggles and, and the issues of this world. And in Christ, 
I cease to work, and he works for me. That's what God was intending from that word rest. When Christ takes your yoke, he's the strong man that does all the lifting. And that's my favorite part. Um, I've been in ministry, doing ministry uh, for about 19 years now, and I've moved more people than I ever wanted to move. It's more like a moving ministry. You know the one, John? We've been lifting couches. The best part of moving a couch is when you get the corner and all everybody else is doing all the work in my mic. This is the lightest corner I've ever had. Because somebody else is doing all the work. They're sweating and grinding. And that's how Christ is. He wants that corner of your life light because Christ wants to do all the work. Cease to do your work and let Christ do the work in your life. So rest comes from God's finished work at creation and the finished work of the cross. There's two parts. Your rest comes from the finished work of creation when it was finished and God said, I'm done and I'm going to rest. Not because he's tired, but he wants to rest because he wants us to live in that rest each and every day, not just a Sabbath day. And then he said, one day I'm going to give you a second rest when my son comes and he dies. And now you're going to have rest for eternity. One is a spiritual relationship. The other is an eternal relationship. And in that, you become whole and complete. So what do we learn? I got two minutes. And it's going to take five. Here's what we've learned. I just went through the other day and I just took a bunch of notes of what we learned. I just read the text and said, here's what we've learned. Here's what it says. Number one, Sabbath is more than a self-care day. That's the first thing. Sabbath means rest. That's the second thing. There's two folds of this rest. One is a spiritual walk in Christ. The other one is an eternal walk with Christ when I accept salvation. God's rest in me, I become comfortable in my skin and I start living for him. Because I'm not letting the world and the chaos of this world hold me back. And finally, a weekly day of rest is fine as long as you're practicing relying on Christ and not yourself. That's the whole purpose. It's just practicing so that one day you will lead to two days and two days will lead to three and so on and so forth till every day of your life will be rested in Christ because you're living a Sabbath life. Matthew chapter 12 verse 8 says, the son of man is the, the Lord of Sabbath. The son of man is the Lord of Sabbath. Constantly he comes up against this Sabbath concept and the son of man is the Lord of Sabbath and in that there's rest for you and me. Eternal rest and daily spiritual rest so that we can walk together in heaven and on earth. So here's the keys. The keys to the kingdom of rest. First you must cease to do works. Life on your own. There's a saying that we say, let go and let God. Every day, every minute of every day, not my will, Lord, your will. Whatever you want to be done. Listen, and if you don't know what to do, do nothing until he tells you what to do. I promise you it works out better than what you can plan. It just takes some time to get where you're supposed to be. Let go and let God. First is cease to do the work. Get out of the way is what I'm trying to say. 
The second thing you need to do for rest is enter in or strive for this rest. It's kind of an oxymoron. It's like, well, I got to work for it? Yeah, you've got to work on your relationship. Whatever that looks like. Think about a marriage relationship or a boyfriend and girlfriend relationship. If you work on it, it's good. If you don't, it's crappy. And the last one is you must be diligent in faith. Diligent in faith. It's just like, I got to believe even when I don't want to believe. And trust me, there's many days I don't want to believe because of things that are happening. I don't know what to say or do. But I just go, not my will, Lord. You help. You speak. You put, you put this in my life. And so I know you're going to walk me through this. Diligent in faith and obedient in life. One act of obedience today will change your life for eternity. One act of obedience today will put you in the right place for God to bring you into the glory of his throne room when you're supposed to be at that place. One act of obedience will help you as you go through the biggest trial of your life because God is, uh, is sovereign and all-powerful and always there. And all he wants is your heart and your obedience. My Sabbath rest comes from God. It's spiritual. It's this inner peace, contentment, comfortable, being the comfortable person in my own skin. It's that overall relationship with God, and I am to strive for it. I am to work for it. I am to trust in it. I am to enter into it with diligent faith. And if I do that, I am right and rested in the kingdom of God because of God and what his son did for me on the cross. So as I close today, here's what it says. Just going back to the text, verse 7 says, So God set another time for entering his rest, and that is today. We're going to sing a song in a second, and you have the opportunity to enter into that rest today. And then here's what verse eight, uh, 9 says. So there is special rest waiting for God's people right here, outside, and online. For all who have entered into God's rest uh, have rested from their labors just as God did after create, uh, creating the world. So let's do our best to enter into rest. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, I know that there's someone out there that is just hurting. There's so much pain and suffering in their life. Their wandered heart has took them to a place of pain. And suffering, and I ask, Lord, that you speak to their heart right now. To the one online that's living in a place of unforgiveness and hating themselves, speak right now. For those that are outside that need rest, Lord, I ask that you meet them right now. And it all begins with Christ. If you don't know Christ, all you have to do is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and Jesus will be Lord. And it goes like this. Repeat it after me if you need it. Father, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and soul and bring me that rest that you promised. You died for me on the cross. And you rose three days later so that I can be with you for eternity. I thank you for what you've done in my life, Lord, and what you're going to do. And I ask that the Holy Spirit take over my mind, body, and soul so that I learn to live for you. We love you, King Jesus. And all God's people said... Amen.